Hey, thank you for listening. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? I have over 130 different videos. I have videos with more scary stories told in the rain, scary stories by a crackling fire, and I also have videos that are less relaxing and more on the scary side. Go check it out, and please don't forget to subscribe. In the YouTube search bar, just type being scared. All right. Catch you later. Before I get started, I want to inform everyone that I will be changing the names of the people involved for privacy reasons, and I can say that this is 100% true. Let me tell you a little background about my house setup. This will come in handy further in the story. I live in a small trailer with my parents and five siblings. I am the oldest, being 16, and I'm a female. The trailer I live in, if you walk in from the front door, you're straight in the living room, then going left through the large French doors, you're in the kitchen. Furthermore, off the small kitchen, a tiny hallway is located there, which has two doors. The door at the end of the hallway was my brother's room, and the room on the left was mine and my sister's. And in the front of the house, past the living room, is another hallway that leads to a small bedroom. That's my parents' room. This happened in the summer about two years ago. I have always been around the paranormal, and my parents have always believed that I'm the cause of it. When I was born, a lot of unexplainable things started happening, and it has followed me everywhere. I came home from going out with some friends, and my sister, for this story I will call her Anna, was only six at the time, and was deep asleep. We had a bunk bed. I was on the bottom bunk, as I had to wake up in the morning for school. I opened my door around 11pm after taking a shower, checked on Anna who was sleeping with her eyes open. I was used to it. And I got onto my bed and grabbed my phone to watch some videos. I must have been on the phone for some time, as when I went to lay down for bed, as I had school tomorrow, the time read 2 a.m. Now for everyone to know, I have really bad tinnitus, so I needed white noise before going to sleep. Tonight I decided on some music. After 10 minutes of searching, I found some tunes that I liked. I then shut my eyes, but then started hearing small footsteps running down towards my room. It sounded like it came from the living room. I don't know if it is normal, but I can tell who is coming near by the sound of footsteps. But these were weird. They were small, so I knew they were children's, but very light and definitely running. I keep my eyes closed, trying to think of who could potentially be approaching my room, but I couldn't tell like I normally could. I then heard my door open. I heard a child giggle, and I froze, my eyes still shut and I knew that this was no one in my family. After a few seconds, I slowly opened my eyes to find a small girl, maybe around the age of six, looking like she was closing an invisible door. She put her hands on the door, the real one, and laughed. I froze again watching this girl, who had a very old dress on, which was a faded yellow with white lace on the bottom, and the style of the dress reminded me of the little house on the prairie. She then turned around and rested her back on the door, and slid down, putting her butt on the floor, 
her knees up, and the dress roughed. She put her head onto her knees and giggled like she was hiding from someone, playing a game. I finally shifted my blankets, making a small noise, which made the small girl look over at me, gasping, like she didn't know I was in the room. She had very long, dark hair. I want to say brown hair. We locked eyes, and then like mist in the sun, she vanished. I freaked, grabbed my phone, and messaged my close friend so I could remember what happened, and to calm myself down. My heartbeat pounded, and I counted sheep trying to calm down, which must have worked, as I woke up in the morning. I went to school and told my close friend, who was very concerned, as she read my message. After busting on me for smoking the devil's lettuce, marijuana, which I did not and she did actually believe me, I came home and told my mom, who looked at me eyes wide and told me I was lying and that I was trying to scare her. I spoke up and told her no, that this happened. I have a message sent to my friend to prove it. She then told me that around the same time, she heard two kids playing out in the living room. She got up very angry, thinking it was Anna and my younger brother playing, but she opened her door to find the living room empty. Confused, she went to check on my brother and sister to see if they were asleep, and they were. This is only a small amount of what has happened to me and my family in this house. I am writing this story in my apartment the day after this event occurred, and I cannot feel at ease no matter how hard I try. Some context. I am a 24-year-old female, 5'4", and 115 pounds. I recently moved into a crappy apartment in a large city in Texas with my boyfriend. We ended up in this place because we owed another apartment money at the time, and in order to get a nicer place, we needed to pay off that debt. So we signed a short six-month lease, and though we paid off the debt already, we have to finish the remaining months regardless as to not break another lease. This current place is cheap, very old, as we unfortunately discovered, not surrounded by the most trustworthy characters. The layout of this apartment has a front entrance gate, and as you enter, it goes around in an upside-down U-shape, all the way to the exit gate. The parking spots were all along the area in which you drive through the complex. Each apartment door has a semi-private entryway unless facing the street, so it is hard to see exactly which door the person enters if you're in the parking spaces. Mine is one of the semi-private entryways. There are also dumpsters around each corner of turns throughout the U-shape. Our apartment is at the back left corner of this U-shape. The first incident that occurred was rather unnerving to me, considering this layout of our apartment. It was 7 a.m., and I groggily opened our apartment door to head to work. I looked down, and my blue backpack that I kept in my car after moving was open and on the ground in front of me. I wasn't starting my next semester of classes until a month from then, so I had no reason to take it out or have much in it. The few contents were thrown outside of the backpack, and it was right on my doorstep. 
I looked at it, obviously weirded out, and proceeded up and around the corner to see my car in the distance, doors wide open. I was of course pissed that somebody broke into my vehicle, but I was extremely uneasy that they somehow knew whose car that must have belonged to, considering the bag was right in front of my doorway. This bothered me for some time, but as it was the first week, I forgot about it. Now I am in the fourth month of my stay at these apartments, and I am beyond ready to leave and never come back. Yesterday morning was normal. I got up, got ready, and hopped in my car. As I was passing the dumpster a mere 30 feet away from where our cars are usually parked, I rolled down my passenger window and chucked some crumpled up trash through it into the dumpster something I do often to keep trash from piling up in my car. And then I drove on my way. My day was tiring due to having three finals and an appointment, so once I got home, I was relieved. As I connected to Wi-Fi, I saw my boyfriend had sent me a Snapchat at 1.30pm, as he was heading to work at the time. I opened the Snapchat to find a picture of four police cars, blocking off the turn near the dumpster. Weird, I messaged to him. It must have been a homeless guy or someone breaking into stuff, he replied. Yeah, I guess. Maybe it'll be on the news later or something. I sat down thinking nothing of it, which considering my normally overactive imagination was unlike me. I went onto YouTube and was getting ready to chill for the remainder of the evening, when my phone buzzed again. I opened it to see a text from my boyfriend. A link was attached, showing a helicopter view picture of the corner of our apartments where the dumpster was sitting. The title read, Body Found in Apartment Complex Dumpster on Northwest Side. I stared for a moment and then felt my face go numb and the slight feeling of nausea creep into my gut. I immediately called my boyfriend, and he seemed surprisingly unconcerned about the entire thing. I, on the other hand, could only think of the decaying corpse of a person who I tossed trash onto unsuspectingly that morning. Apparently the body found was a woman, 35 to 40 years old, with blunt trauma to the head, they don't know if she was killed in the complex or just dumped there. The complex has its security gate broken and open half the time anyway, so who knows. All I know for sure is that I need to talk to the office about ending my lease right away, because I no longer feel safe in this place. I'd like to start this off by saying that I'm a 19-year-old girl about 5'5", weighing 110 pounds. To many people, I'm considered tiny and approachable. To give a little backstory, I have worked at a pharmacy for the last year and a half, mainly doing grunt work, garbage runs, filing, masking boxes, and the like, along with my normal prescription filing duties. My office is located in a pretty sketchy part of downtown, in a major city. 
It is on the third floor of a four-story building that faces a busy road in the front and an older, run-down residential area to the back where the garbage bins are fenced in next to the underground parking entrance. Directly across the alley that the bins are in is a worn-down yellow house that rarely sees the light through the overgrown trees and vegetation in the yard behind the gate. I had never seen anyone in or around that house during my daily garbage runs, though I did notice two very large cane corso dogs that were caged on the rickety deck. I kept getting that feeling of being watched during one of my more recent trips to the bins, and I hesitantly glanced towards the creepy yellow house to find nothing out of the ordinary. Now, I'm an avid horror fan, used to being a little bit spooked by cliches, like creepy houses, and spend my days being paranoid over everyday circumstances, constantly looking behind my shoulder and being suspicious of everyone that moves around me. So I chalked it up to me being paranoid. The feeling never subsided. So as I rushed to finish the job, I took one last peek behind me and saw a very tall, slender man with unkempt shaggy gray hair wearing a tattered white tank top with holes and stains, peering out the bay window over the deck and straight at me. At this point I had never known someone lived there, as I had never seen anyone, and my customer service instinct kicked in, and I gave him the best polite smile that I could form. He did not return it, and continued to burn his eyes into my being, and after what seemed like hours, he slowly retreated back out of sight, never breaking eye contact. This was just my first encounter with this man, but oh, do I wish it was my only one. The next few times were normal, with me glancing every now and then to see nothing but the pitch black inside of the house and a few birds fluttering around his yard. Until the day that is burned into my brain forever. It was a hot and sunny Tuesday, and I had worn a navy dress to keep me cool during the day. The time comes for me to do my garbage trip, and I grab my X-Acto knife that I used to break down cardboard and slipped it into my dress pocket. Pulling my small cart of cardboard and garbage around the fence and into the partially enclosed area of bins, I look across the alleyway and see the man standing on his deck. He walks over to the cages and lets the dogs out, and they sprint down the stairs of the deck and up to the chain-link fence surrounding the yard and begin barking furiously in my direction. After getting refocused on my job at hand, I periodically peered over my shoulder and out of the corner of my eye to keep tabs on this man, until the last time I did so, when I could no longer see him standing on his deck, but rather he was slinking along the sidewalk out of his fence and in the shadows of the trees from his yard. He paced back and forth, about thirty feet in each direction, before spinning back and going the other way. I began panicking and rushing, catapulting the cardboard into the bin. And that's when I heard the sound. Rocks, from the gravel alley being scuffed under heavy footsteps. I mustered up all the courage I could and turned my entire body to face the man, my hand in my pocket gripping the knife tightly, ready to defend myself. To my horror, the man was less than ten feet in front of me, 
head down staring at the ground with one hand behind his back and the other in his pocket. As he closed the gap between us, I heard a voice from behind me, to my left. I turned to investigate the voice, and it was a young man, a tall, gawky man, probably around 23 or 24, that I had recognized from the cafe on the first floor, with a garbage bag in his hands. He asked me, Is that your cart? I glanced towards the cart and dumbfounded, I responded with, Yes. He struck up a conversation with me and came close and rested his hand on my shoulder and looked me in the eyes and whispered, Come with me. He grabbed my cart and began walking towards the building. And this is when I turned back to look at the man who had scurried back across the alley to his fence, scrambling to open the latch while shoving something into his pocket and cursing under his breath shooting daggers at the cafe man. When we made it back into the parking lot adjacent to our building, he stopped and said, I was on my way to the bins when I noticed that man coming toward you. I hoped asking about your card and being near you would deter him from whatever he was thinking of doing. Now you be safe and bring a partner every time you go down here, or you can come grab me if no one else can. We said our goodbyes and I thanked him profusely. I never went down alone again after telling my co-workers what had happened. To the young man in the cafe, at the time your small talk seemed meaningless and forced, but it very well could have been the reason that I am still alive. I'd like to start off by saying my parents live on a plantation in the middle of nowhere in Mississippi. I won't say specifically where due to privacy. Growing up it was me and my brother who is four years older than me and he's still my best friend to this day. My dad was a farmer so me and my brother both grew up with a love for outdoors and adventure. We have over 7,000 acres and a total of six barns. My grandparents owned this land before my father inherited it. I was six years old at the time of this encounter and my brother was ten. My mother had just passed and it was just us three left. We were out one day exploring the barn. My dad was out in the fields tilling to prepare for the crops we had coming in. We ended up down in the community which was about two miles or so from our house which consisted of seven houses that were out in the woods. By this time they were overgrown and underkept due to their lack of tenants who were in charge of the upkeep. To give you a bit of insight into how these looked, I will try my best to give a brief explanation. They were all wooden houses, one story of course, with a small porch and a large wooden door. They had two windows on each side of the front door and windows all along the sides all broken. The grass was waist-high and the tree limbs had broken into the windows and some had even grown into the side of one of the houses. My brother was carrying a machete to chop away some of the undergrowth so that we could get to them. We entered the front house that was a bit bigger than the rest with tin on the roof and a brick chimney. The steps broke under our feet 
and my brother had to help me climb up. The porch had almost completely rotted by this point. I'm not a tall girl, and my legs are especially short, making high cabinets and big steps difficult for me. Even now, my brother went first, opening the door with a heavy kick from the wood, being warped and disfigured. He shut the door the best he could behind us. We entered the house to see most of the floor was missing, revealing grass and even small trees growing through the floor. Rodents scattered every direction, making me yelp, but my brother just laughed. There was a mattress to the left, and the springs were the only thing remaining. All of a sudden, we heard a loud crack right outside the door, causing both of us to freeze where we were. My brother whispered that it was probably a deer and to be super quiet so that we had a chance to see him. We both slowly crept over to one of the windows to try to see outside and to see the deer. We both had a love for animals and enjoyed watching them. As we reached the window, we heard very hushed voices and I very distinctly remember the deep growl of one of the voices telling the other, Shut up. I don't know where they are. I don't know where they went, but I swear when we find them, I will kill all of them. I don't care. I'll kill them all before I go to jail. Then he erupted into manic laughter that echoed through the woods. I remember the look on my brother's face. I knew he was terrified. My brother was only ten at the time, but he was almost six feet, and almost nothing scared him. If he was scared, I definitely knew that I should be too. He whispered for me to crouch down so we couldn't be seen through the window. I crept down next to a rotten couch that reeked of decay. The smell alone made me gag. Tears were spilling out of my eyes, and I kept my hands over my mouth to keep my sobs quiet. I bit down so hard on my hand, I remember tasting blood. My brother was peering over the side of the window, his face white. I heard limbs breaking as the trespassers were making their way toward every house to find us. I remember thanking God that my brother had shut the door. My brother motioned me to come towards him, and I slowly crept to where he was, trying to make as little noise as possible. He told me that he was going to open the door, and that when he did... I needed to run all the way back to the house and try to find Dad. He kept nudging me towards the door, and he was getting frustrated when I wouldn't move. I heard one of the men tell the other one to check the big building, and my heart froze. The house we were in was significantly bigger than all the rest, and I knew that they were coming for us. We heard sticks snapping from every direction, and in my child's mind... I knew we were going to die. Nothing is scarier than thinking you're going to die at such a young age. I was absolutely terrified. I was behind my brother against the wall, and he was holding my hand. I remember how sweaty his shaking hand was and how fast his heart was beating. He had the machete brandished like some sword in a sci-fi movie and I almost chuckled at the sight, as scared as I was. The door to the house was kicked open, and there stood four men standing about six feet or so in height. 
They all looked like they hadn't bathed in years, and I could smell them from where they were standing. They smelled of rotten meat and body odor. Their teeth were yellowing, some missing, and they looked like they had been beat up, covered in bruises and blood. The blonde guy in the front was the first to speak. His voice still terrorizes me to this day. Well, look what we have here. A knight in shining armor. And a princess. He laughed. My brother spoke in the deepest voice he could manage. This is my dad's land. You better get out of here. He, he's got guns, and he'll shoot you. He knows where we are. The blonde guy chuckled, shaking his head, and took a step towards us. The next thing he said chilled me to my core. Your daddy can't save you. No one can. And he took another step towards us. He looked over at me and my blood went cold. He smiled. And I could see that he only had one front tooth, and only a few were left in his menacing smile. I love pretty blonde girls. I'd love to take you with me. My own pretty little girl. I've always wanted a little girl. I cried out and buried my face into my brother's back as I wept, screaming for my dad. Daddy can't save you now. He screamed and my brother lunged towards the guy and swung the machete as hard as he could, almost knocking himself over from its weight. All of the men started laughing maniacally. My brother stepped closer to the men, swinging the machete again, coming inches from the blonde guy's face. He leaned back to avoid the blow and started laughing louder. The sound was like something out of the most awful horror movie. I could hear the cracking in their voices. Their smiles made it even worse. All of the men were in the house with us now, and the lanky black-haired guy shut the door behind him. They kept inching closer to us, and my brother was telling me to stay behind him as he kept the machete pointed toward them. Then, the most heavenly sound. Out of nowhere, we heard a truck horn, and my heart jumped into my throat. The road leading to the community was maybe 200 yards from the house, with few trees between it. The guys went stock straight and bolted out the door. One of their legs fell through the floor, and he quickly yanked it out and bolted. We looked out to see my dad and cousins jumping out of his truck, with their guns in hand. They fired a few shots, missing the guys by inches. My dad ran into the house and scooped me up. My brother was crying, and my dad was, too. He hugged me and my brother so tight that day. My dad never let us go near the community again, and only let us go into the barns if he was with us. He told me recently that he had thought we were dead already, and he will never be happier than the day he found us alive. As for the guys, after my dad and cousins arrived, they bolted deeper into the woods, and my cousins pursued them, but gave up after a mile or so. My cousin still swears that he shot one of them in the leg, but it was never confirmed. My dad told my brother that he was coming to the barn for a drink and a rest for a minute, and heard my screams, and they immediately followed them to us. My brother and I both received intense counseling 
for the next few months afterwards. I'm 22 years old, and I still wake up in a panic, reliving the worst day of my life with those awful men. I am so thankful for my brother for doing his best to keep me alive. I'm even more thankful for my dad and cousins, and that they had given the fields a rest, even if just for a moment. God only knows what would have happened to us if they had not shown up. It scares me to this day to think about it. In high school, some friends and I really enjoyed exploring abandoned buildings in the small city I was in, and climbing occupied buildings. We generally went as a group of three to five. Two people didn't feel safe enough, and six felt like we made too much noise and would get caught. These two experiences happened when I decided to go with only one other person. The first experience was my junior year of high school when a close friend and I decided to go to a five-story warehouse and cotton mill compound at around 9 p.m. in the late fall. The majority of the night was uneventful, and I really liked this place because it was big and open, and you could generally see to the other side of the warehouse, 300 to 400 feet on each floor. However, on the third floor, there was an office building, and in the basement, a very damp, dark, and cramped storage area. We wandered the first floor for about 45 minutes before going to the basement because there were generally cool signs that we could snag to decorate our rooms. The entire time we were down there, I felt like there was someone behind us peering out from around the corners and through the fences dividing the storage areas. But every time I turned around, we were very much alone. I never heard anything, just that feeling. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to seem scared for no reason, so we continued without any actual incident and moved to the second and then third floor. The third floor is one I generally steer clear of because of how claustrophobic it made me feel, in the darkness, with only two flashlights to reveal the surroundings. The office spaces were laid out with one long hallway running the short side of the building, and multiple long hallways running the length of the building. These long hallways had small square rooms on either side, and the white walls were covered in spray paint tags, quotes, and artwork. As my buddy walked into one of these rooms, I once again had this funny feeling, and I turned around, shining my light back down the hallway and looking into the short corridor that we had just come from. As I did this, I saw a shadow at the right side of the doorway, and watched it quickly dart to the left, across the doorway and deeper into the building, away from the stairs. I immediately called out to my friend and told him what I saw. He thought I was messing around and trying to scare him. I told him no, because I had a rule, that we don't scare others while exploring, because someone could get hurt. Convinced that I had actually seen something, we left as quickly as we could, and I explained the feeling I had when we were in the basement, which he stated he had felt as well, but didn't want to seem scared either. I still do not know what or who that was, 
It still creeps me out, because my flashlight was the only light source there. This floor has no windows, and it was a distinct shadow from my flashlight. Though I never saw anything to create the shadow, even though it crossed in front of the light. The second experience was at an abandoned grain plant a few miles outside of town. The building is about 18 stories tall, has a small office space connected to the bottom, and is surrounded by massive 10-story cone-shaped buildings, which I think were silos, but we could never really figure out what they were exactly. I was with my girlfriend, and she really wanted to go exploring with me, so we decided to go there that night. When we arrived, the area already felt weird because it was bright and everything had a brownish tint to it. Even though it was midnight, we hadn't pulled out the flashlights yet and there was no moon that night. I just decided that our eyes were adjusted to the darkness and moved on. As we walked the two football field access road to the plant, it became eerily quiet. No wind or movement of any kind. The only sound we heard was the leaves under our feet. Once we got to the overgrown parking lot and loading docks at the base of the building, we stood and stared up at the tower and hesitated. She turned to me and said that she didn't feel right about this. I told her she wasn't alone because I had a feeling of dread about going up. Even though I only had fun and happy experiences here, even late at night, we decided to go home and watch movies instead, and we both still believe that if we had gone up there that night, something terrible would have happened. I must insist that I am an adrenaline junkie and normally do not shy away from these experiences, but for some reason that night, I had the urge to turn and run. I don't know if a stare would have given out on the exterior of the tower, ten plus stories off the ground, or if someone or something malicious was waiting up at the top. But I am glad I spent the night watching movies and eating microwave popcorn instead. This happened in 2015 when my husband and I were together. We've since separated, and perhaps this story will help you understand why. He and I married that year, and he always was a little off. Sometimes more off than on. He served in the military, and was proud of his time served. And I was proud of him too. However, he had a tendency toward visual hallucinations. I'm not sure if it's the PTSD or his familial history of mental illness, but he saw things. Usually it happened while driving. Once he saw an eight-foot spider casing the side of a barn while we were riding along the road. He asked me if I saw it. He was panicking. I didn't see it. Let me paint a picture. My mom lives deep, deep in the rural south. Further down her road are old houses people still live in and use outhouses to this day. They collect rainwater to drink, etc. Before you get to my mom's road, there's a well-kept farmhouse, 
pretty close to the main highway. My sister says she's seen a dozen men walking out in the fields behind that house, dressed immaculately in white suits. I promise everything that what I'm saying is true to the best of my knowledge. My husband and I pulled into the highway one night after dusk and are gaining speed as we pass that house. He's driving and I'm in the passenger side, head back, and the farmhouse is on the right of the car. Suddenly my husband swerves and screams. My eyes open. In a blur, I see a white human-shaped creature running at the car, pale white, maybe gray skin, crazed, angry eyes. I don't recall that it was wearing clothing. I just remember the flash of white skin. And those eyes, human eyes, unmistakably human, with all the rage and wild contempt that only a human being could be capable of. It was running right for my door, but we passed it right before it made it to the car. My husband screamed and asked if I had seen it. I don't know why. I can't tell you why, but I told him that I didn't. He described it to me, and I reiterated that I had not seen it. Later on, I confessed that I did actually see it, so I'm not a complete liar. I can't let go of the feeling that it wanted to do harm to one of us. It seemed I had locked eyes with it, but it was only a split second, so I wonder what my mind had filled in to make sense of the situation. Much more strange things happened to my husband and me, but I can't talk about those things. I feel safe enough describing this, however. For some reason, he seemed like a beacon for the unusual and the unexplainable. He and I separated due largely to his decreasing mental health, so I'm not sure what he's been seeing these days. But I know that we both saw something that night. I'm just not sure what it was. I remember about three or four years ago, me, my stepmom, and my stepsister were pretty bored in the house and decided to take a walk around the trail to our local park. When we got there, it was crowded with people, people playing basketball, playing tennis, playing volleyball, and soccer. Lots of people were having picnics and family barbecues as well. It was nice seeing all the friendly faces and seeing people having a good time. That made me have good vibes, and I was in the mood to start moving around and get to walking. We started making our way to the trail. The trail started right under the shaded part of the park where everyone was barbecuing and playing music. We started walking, and after about ten minutes, I realized that we were the only people walking the trail. The trail wasn't that big. If you walked at a normal pace, you would lap around the trail once every 15 to 20 minutes. We lapped around the trail once, and I noticed a guy that was randomly standing on the side of the trail. I couldn't tell if he was looking at us or not, because I have bad eyesight, and I didn't wear glasses at the time. But as we got closer to him, I realized that he was indeed looking at us as we walked by. I didn't think much of it at all 
I just assumed that he was checking out my stepmom, because a lot of men thought that she was very attractive. About five minutes after that, we were on this part of the trail, where it kind of went into the woods out of sight from anyone. Me and my stepmom were talking about something random, when we both heard footsteps behind us. We both looked back. It was the man who was looking at us earlier. My stepmom and I looked at each other, but still thought nothing of it. He was about 600 feet behind us, not close enough for us to suspect anything. So about two minutes after that, I looked back again, just to see if he was still there. And he wasn't. What the hell? I slipped up and said. I was really confused. We were too deep in the wooded side of the trail for him to have turned around and walked back so quickly. But I just brushed it off. As we made it out of the wooded part of the trail, we saw the man again. This time, he was walking towards us, smiling. Hey, ladies, he said. He looked at each of us, looking for a response. I shot him a friendly smile. My stepsister wasn't even paying attention, because she was on her phone with her earphones in. My stepmom says, Hello, how are you doing? And then he began making small talk with my stepmom, saying things like, It's such a beautiful day today, isn't it? Or, This is just the perfect day. I started to get a little tired of fake smiling and acting like I cared about how much this man loved the day and how it made him feel. I guess he caught on to my annoyance by him, and he says, Well, it was nice talking to you fine young women. Enjoy the rest of your day. We walked off. I glanced behind me and he was watching us walk away. This is when I started getting weird vibes from him. We wanted to walk around the trail at least two more times before we left, so after we walked around the trail for another lap, we saw the man again. This time he walked up to us, with his hands on his hips. He says, I know you guys are probably tired of me talking to you, but I forgot to mention that I was barbecuing and wanted to know if you guys wanted to join me. My stepmom, trying to be nice, says, Oh, what did you cook? and he says that he would show us if we just followed him. I started having a funny feeling about this guy. My stepmom wasn't having it though. She asks him where he's barbecuing, and he pointed to another wooded area in the park that was off trail, where a lot of people didn't go because of the simple fact that there was no trail, playgrounds, or anything. Right over there, he says smiling. I decided to set up over there because my method of cooking uses a propane tank, and the park doesn't allow you to use those, so I hide it. He laughed. My stepmom said no thanks and tried to ease her way out of the conversation. As we were walking away, he ran up behind me and grabbed my arm, pulling me toward him. I yanked my arm away from him and loudly asked what the hell was wrong with him. My stepmom turned around saw what was happening, and sprung into protection mode. She grabbed her mace out of her pocket that was attached to her keychain. She told him to watch himself or she'd F him up. He said that he didn't mean any harm by it, and then ran away. We made our way out of the park and into the parking lot, 
and made our way home. Fast forward a few weeks later. I was upstairs in my room when I heard my stepmom yell, What the hell? This can't be real. I ran downstairs and saw that she was watching the news. The man from the park's mugshot was on the screen. I stand there looking at the TV in disbelief. No way. He had been arrested for raping and beating a 20-year-old woman. He left her for dead. When I saw that it happened in the same park that we were at, it clicked. He was trying to lure us into his trap. He was going to seriously hurt us if we had believed him. He would have sexually assaulted us and more. It makes chills run down my spine whenever I think about that man. Don't ever, ever let your guard down. There are some seriously sick people in this world.